Welcome to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast, where we have great conversations with unity-minded Christians. Our goal is to encourage unity of the Spirit within the Stone Campbell Movement and beyond. We believe unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and join us as we seek to fulfill Jesus' prayer that we may all be one. And now, here are your co-hosts, Megan Rollins and Kevin Witham. Welcome back, everyone, to another podcast with Common Grounds Unity. We're uh, thrilled to be back with you today. We've got a great conversation in store with uh, a journalist in Churches of Christ who probably uh, travels about as extensively as anybody in uh, this stream of the Restoration Movement and may be more aware of the going-ons than uh, anybody that we've talked to uh, up to this point. We'll introduce him in just a moment, but I want to kick off in welcoming you uh, by welcoming our guest co-host today and say something about Megan Rawlings, who had been such a great co-host since the start of Common Grounds Unity. Uh, we're just so thankful for Megan's service on the podcast, but she has recently taken a new position with the Solomon Foundation. Many of you are familiar with Solomon Foundation, and she is uh, directing development with the Solomon Foundation, has left her role at Kentucky Christian University uh, to work there. So due to her traveling schedule, she's not able to continue her role as our co-host, but we'll try to get her back on to talk about her work with Solomon Foundation at some point in the future. So, Megan, if you're listening, a big shout out to you and our gratitude to the great job you have done uh, in these early stages of this podcast and just was such a joy to co-host with you. So, best to you and may God bless you in this new chapter. I want to introduce our guest co-host today. It's Kate Blakely. And Kate is going to be with us uh, this week and next week and and maybe some more in the future. She is an associate professor of cross-cultural ministry at Great Lakes Christian College in Lansing, Michigan. You may remember that we had uh, several great professors from there recently uh, on our podcast. Um, Kate, she did her undergraduate work at Great Lakes Christian College. She received her M.A. from Emanuel School of Religion and then her Master's of Theology from Duke University. So, Kate, uh, we are so grateful to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. (laughs) Well, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, I am sitting in Lansing, Michigan at my office. We're just kicking off um, my fifth year here as a professor, so... Just uh, just got the full professor last year, which is great. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, we keep it pretty informal here at Great Lakes, but uh, it's been fun. Yeah. So I was born and raised in the uh, independent Christian church, baptized around age 10 by my dad in a baptistry at a local church in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, came here to Michigan and started school and kind of haven't really looked back. Um, over the years, my husband and I have been really active participants, um, both in the acapella, non-instrumental Churches of Christ, um, Colmill Road Church of Christ in Durham, North Carolina for several years, and all over where we've lived in different states and whatnot. At the moment, uh, he and I are 
participants and active members at uh, Delta Community Christian Church, or DC3, here in Lansing, which is a, a network of house churches. Um, we really love being able to be a part of this community here and serving actively um, alongside all kinds of folks. Yeah, so... Well. I'd love to hear more about DC3 and the house church network that you've described there and sometime in the future. Maybe we'll bring you back. Just talk about that. <laughs> uh, by the way, your husband's Andrew we meant to mention that. Mm -hmm. And uh, yep. so love to meet Andrew sometime as well. Um, so glad, glad you're with us today, Kate. Look forward to this uh, conversation. Our, uh, our whole mission on common grounds unity is to try to build greater unity to answer that prayer of Jesus in John 17, or not to answer it, to be a part of the answer to that prayer, uh, where he prayed for the unity of believers. And our movement started as a unity movement. And our, our motto is, unity starts with a cup of coffee, just getting to know one another. So I want to introduce our guest today for another good conversation. Maybe you got your coffee nearby and you're ready to listen in. Eric Trigestad is with the Christian Chronicle. He joined the Christian Chronicle in 2001. And if that name Christian Chronicle is new to some of our listeners, he's going to tell you a little bit more about it, but it's been uh, coming into my home since I was a teenager, as I recall. Um, so he, he works with the Chronicle. His favorite part, he says, of working for the Chronicle is covering international news. And as we're talking to him, he just recently returned from Honduras, uh, he, he goes out and participates on mission trips as well as going out to do investigative stories. Uh, and he's filed stories from more than 65 nations. Um, Eric became the Chronicles president and CEO in June of 2019 after he served for some years as editor-in-chief. He earned a master's in journalism from the University of Georgia. He remains a diehard uh, Georgia Bulldogs fan. He's also active in church life. He's a deacon at the Memorial Road Church of Christ in Oklahoma City, where he met his wife, Jeannie. Uh, Dr. Jeannie Trigestad is a pediatric uh, endocrinologist and an attending physician for the Children's Hospital at OU Medical Center. So, boy, we'd love to meet Jeannie sometime. Um, she's also a frequent teacher in Bible classes for kids. So they're both active in the life of the church. They have two daughters. Eric, welcome to the Common Ground Unity podcast. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on any podcast that is named after a coffee-based pun. Uh, so I'm just <laughs> thrilled, uh, you know, so let's brew this thing. See what I Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Kate, kick us off. All right. Well, Eric, if you don't mind, would you tell us just a little bit more about yourself, like your life and ministry, maybe some about your spiritual journey, journey so far? Sure. Uh, grew up in Macon, Georgia. I'm an old school newspaper guy. Uh, got into that. Went to Lipscomb University for my undergrad and uh, thrilled. I know you guys have had the Lowry's on this podcast before. And yes. uh, the incoming president, Candace McQueen, was actually a classmate of mine. So just thrilled for her. Wow. Uh, Shout out position. to her. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we had several classes together. I just, I'm thrilled with that choice for my alma mater there. Uh, started working for the school newspaper because it was the only club you didn't have to pledge on campus. And uh, I got, <laughs> got interested in that, thought I was going to law school. That went out the window when I kept working on newspapers and went on to, to UGA, but really wanted to be a daily newspaper reporter. And that's what I was doing in Savannah, Georgia, 20 years ago. When somebody from Lipscomb, Kim Shadowen, the head of PR there, 
uh, sent me an email and said, hey, there's this Christian newspaper out in Oklahoma City. They're looking for somebody. I know you don't want to do this, but they want a member of a church of Christ. Uh, and you're the only one I know in the newspaper business that's a member of a church of Christ. So there you go. Done my due diligence. <laughs> and uh, of course, I, I didn't I didn't want the job. I wanted a raise at my current job. So I flew out to Oklahoma City hoping I could get offered the job and use that to negotiate with the folks in Savannah. Got off the plane first time I'd ever set foot in Oklahoma and met a guy named Bailey McBride, who was the editor at the time. Uh, talked to him in five minutes later, decided, OK, change of plans. I, I want this job. Um, and was privileged to, to get that. Uh, Bailey became like a father to me, actually did uh, our, our wedding in uh, 2003, met my wife here. She's from a little town called Altus, Oklahoma, and uh, just gone with it ever since. You know, I really thought getting out of traditional journalism and into Christian journalism would be a step that I, I could never take that back if I wanted to get back into the real journalism, as I thought of it at the time. <laughs> In the years since, I've come to realize that, you know, doing this job really is real journalism. We say real news that honors God. There aren't Christian versions of things. We look at Christian education and Christian journalism like they're a subset of the real. But I really believe that it's journalism, education, the way God intended it. And the secular version is actually a deviation from that. So that's kind of the motto that we've held is to use those journalistic principles to talk about what's going on in our fellowship, uh, the predominantly acapella churches of Christ. And that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years. Hard to believe. Eric, I love that take. What is more real than the kingdom of God and, and what's happening in the kingdom? I, I just, I love that. What, what was it in that uh, five minute interview with, Bailey McBride, McBride that pivoted you so quick. I, by the way, I used to read Bailey's column monthly, and it was always on the back of the Chronicle. What was it in that conversation that made you say, say man, I'm in? It, immediately with Bailey, as soon as you meet him, it's like you have a new father. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's that very, you can tell he cares deeply. You know, he's been a longtime professor at Oklahoma Christian University, which owns the Christian Chronicle and has for the last 40 years. Uh, but I get, he just had connections to the Tennessee area as well. His wife uh, his, grew up in Tennessee. So it just felt like family from the instant that I met him. And it has continu he's continued to be a mentor and a, and a friend and advisor over all these years. You know, some of our listeners may be unfamiliar with the Christian Chronicle. Uh, some of our folks, perhaps in uh, churches of Christ. We've got listeners in independent Christian churches, churches of Christ, in uh, disciples churches, in ICOC churches. Um, tell us a little bit more about the Christian Chronicle, its history within the Stone Campbell movement, uh, some of its accomplishments and milestones, and and maybe even you know its its mission, its purpose, because it's a little bit different from a lot of the journals that are in uh, our various fellowships. No, that's absolutely right. The Christian Chronicle dates back to 1943, I believe, uh, when a, a gentleman by the name of Olin Hicks evidently was walking down the street in Austin, Texas, and saw a copy of the newspaper, uh, the Deseret News, which uh, is a newspaper for the Mormon church. Right. And he kind of thought, why can't the Acapella Churches of Christ do likewise and have their own source of news. At the time, there are a lot of journals that have been around that are kind of what we call teaching publications. They kind of, they have a little bit of news, but they also have a lot of uh, kind of doctrinal issues and debates and discussions and even Bible class material sometimes. Olin Hicks wanted to get away from that. He thought that was, that that's already been covered. 
We just want to have a newspaper that tells what is going on in Churches of Christ with a special emphasis on missions around the world. Uh, he was once referred to as the missionary who never left home because he would just stay and report all the mission reports. And if you look at those early issues, there's a heavy emphasis on what's going on in Churches of Christ uh, that, are, that are planning churches, not only domestically, but also internationally. So that's what we've continued to do for the, the years that have you know, done that. We do have some, some opinion content, but the primary focus is just what is going on in our fellowship. Now, the challenge for us has been defining what a Church of Christ is. And all of you guys in the Restoration Movement, Stone Campbell Movement, you know, probably share this uh, this kind of concern, as it were, that that uh, our our fellowship seems to be broadening, and not everything has the same name on it anymore. So we kind of talk about you know the work of the kingdom. So our our focus is uh, Acapella Churches of Christ, but we we stray kind of into other branches of the Restoration Movement as we've worked together more over the last few years. Um, with uh, with various efforts and things like that. So that's one of the big, you know, the, the focus for our future is trying to figure out where do we go from here? Uh, because uh, younger readers, they don't, I, I hate to use the word brand loyalty, but they don't feel that, you know, I I'm specifically want news about Church of Christ, you know, trademark for lack of a better right. word. So how do we keep that interest in the kingdom? So our, our general sphere though, and our mission is to report what's going on in the churches of Christ and report news that is of interest to folks in our fellowship. And uh, we've really been blessed with a number of uh, folks from uh, the independent Christian churches, a few folks from the ICOC. Uh, I've written some pieces for the Christian standard. I know you guys had uh, uh, brother Mac on here uh, yes. a few weeks ago, and he mentioned that there was an editor, you know, who has written some stuff for them. That's me. I've written a couple of things for the standard and uh, love uh, the, cross-pollination there that's going on. So does that answer your question? I hope so. Oh, perfectly. Absolutely. Yeah, you kind of even got a jump start on the question I was about to ask. Um, you mentioned a challenge for uh, that you see for the Chronicle and trying to, to meet needs and reach folks where they're at with a broad interest. Um, any other kind of plans or dreams um, for the future of the Chronicle? Well, we, we kind of face a duet of challenges there. One I just mentioned with kind of the lack of, uh, of brand loyalty among our readers and that uh, fewer and fewer of our readers really identify with any one particular faith group. There's still a lot of folks that are interested in the kingdom. So how do we kind of pivot to that interest while staying true to our roots and, and true to our goal? of being a publication for the churches of Christ. That's one of the big challenges that we face. Uh, the other is what all newspapers across the country are facing, which is just the declining print readership. Uh, we've been blessed at the Christian Chronicle by virtue of being a niche or niche. I've never known how to pronounce that word publication. Uh, we, we have kind of a growing print readership, but we are still doing it old school newspaper style. We have a uh, robust social media presence and a website, mobile app. We've implemented a lot of those things, but exactly how do we present ourselves in terms of format to reach especially uh, younger readers, viewers, mm -hmm very interested. We're, we're going through a strategic visioning process right now and putting out a survey because with, a, you know, I'm, 
I'm no spring chicken anymore. And I'm starting to realize that not everybody consumes news the same way that I do. So I want to kind of know where these folks are and where they're getting their information now. And then how do we pivot? Is it through adding, say, a podcast like you guys have done uh, or a video channel? Do, do we set up a TV studio? So those are kind of the things we're, we're thinking about as we go forward, because we want to be able to meet people where they are in terms of their technological uses and the way that they consume information. Because as access to information has grown over the last few years, you know, I mean, everything's at your fingertips now. Uh, I feel like we're less informed as a society because there's just so much bad information out there. And I can't tell you, especially in the last year, how much time we've spent trying to, to combat misinformation and just, you know, bad rumor mongering and just bad journalism. It's out there in spades, you know. So how do we continue to deliver a professional product and speak truth uh, to a society that increasingly takes that view that that Pilate said back when he was uh, had Jesus on trial and he famously said, you know, what is truth? And uh, that's that's what a lot of people seem to be asking today. And they seem to be focusing on their own truth. So how do we address that? And how do we show that? No, there is real truth. There's biblical truth and there's factual good information. Uh, how, how do we rise above all the noise that's out there? So those are just a few of the things we're dealing with. Well, and I, I might mention here, this is a uh, kind of a shameless pitch for you so that you don't have to make it. And you didn't ask me to make it, but you all depend somewhat on, on contributions from people getting behind things financially. So I'll just mention that now. Um, the Chronicle just does a great job reporting, uh, bringing stories, as Eric said, from, from really not only around America, but around the world in Churches of Christ. So well, if you want to throw some uh, money their way, I'm sure they're going to put it to good use as they dream about their future. Oh, yes, thank um, you very much. Eric, as you consider uh, your audience, our, our congregations, uh, the current culture, um, what challenges uh, and or opportunities do you foresee in kind of effectively communicating the gospel today? And, and then let me just kind of tack on to that, not to overload you here in one question, but I, I seldom get an opportunity to talk to somebody that travels as extensively and is probably exposed to as much in Churches of Christ as you are because of your unique role. Um, as you get out, what encourage you, encourages you as you kind of investigate and explore stories among the fellowship and, and what kind of things concern you? So a couple of things, uh, actually three, three questions there. I may just, uh, you know, let you run with that for the rest. I've given you a lot there. <laughs> oh, right. I, I'd never left the country before I took this job and then uh, started going to Mexico, then Guatemala, then Honduras, then over to Europe. Uh, and I've been blessed to travel to about 75 different countries and territories around the world. It's been so eye opening. And one of the things that that both encourages and disturbs me at the same time from talking to our, our brothers and sisters internationally uh, is a story that uh, kind of came out of Ukraine when I was there, one of my first trips. I was, you know, I'm, I'm paid to listen, to find mm -hmm. out what's going on and then to write it down. And uh, a young woman in Ukraine told me that that's what she goes, I, I, I just appreciate so much that you come over here, you're an American, but you're not telling us what to do. 
and you're just listening mm. to our needs and you're wanting to know our stories. Because too many in the mission field, especially, mm. go over with grandiose plans. You know, a lot of folks go down to Central America and they're going to construct homes. They got an agenda to do. I go down there to listen and to watch. And that has been the biggest blessing to my life uh, to see the way that the gospel is spreading and spreading so uh, so well outside the United States. Uh, I'm so excited about what's going on in places like Guatemala. We went out to this rural community. You had to walk 10 minutes from the bus to reach this Iglesia de Cristos, Church of Christ out there. Uh, there's mm -hmm. no parking there. You can't get a bus there. You may be able to get a moped there. And they said they routinely have gospel meetings out there with 2,000 people. So uh, they're on fire for the Lord. In Africa, it's the same story. Uh, I'm, I'm constantly amazed about how people who have less than I have uh, are not anywhere near as miserable as I think they should be. You know, they, they <laughs> right. know more and they teach me so much about what it means to live day to day. And I've, I've tried to bring some of that back home with me because uh, it's so easy when I come back from these trips to get caught up in my routine, get on deadline and to start worrying about all the things that we worry about as Americans. But there is a simplicity to the gospel message. And uh, the thing that I've seen over and over again is the way that it, it goes through the unexpected people. You're hard-pressed to find somebody that was the, the target of an evangelist. Usually you'll find somebody who started a Bible correspondence course because somebody threw a piece of paper on the ground that had an invitation to study the Bible on it. Now, that's one of the mm. strongest church leaders you'll see in a country like Ghana or Nigeria or places like that. So uh, God's at work in all of these places. And I, I feel like a lot of times in the United States, we're almost kind of just sitting on the sidelines you know, we there, there's been a lot of seed planting done by folks from this this uh, country, but the fruit is not happening under our noses. Maybe and, and we get discouraged by that. Uh, but I just want to tell you, I've been to places where I can see the gospel is alive and well, and it's in the hands of our native brothers and sisters who are going out among their own uh, and doing incredible things and having incredible stories, uh, incredible stories of conversion. Uh, I could you know, give you examples all day long of the, the things that I've seen. So that's really, you know, I, I don't know, that may be a roundabout way of answering your question. I but, love uh, that. You know, the, the challenge there is that we're, we're just, we think of ourselves as a post-Christian society. I think it helps us to frame that as, as more of a global fellowship. And we really see that the, the epicenters of our movement. We've traditionally in churches of Christ thought of those as the cities of Dallas and Nashville, Tennessee. That's where you'll find mm -hmm. the most churches of Christ. Uh, I don't know that that's always going to be the case. I think it's, it may be Lagos, Nigeria or Nairobi, Kenya soon, or Chichi Castanango, Guatemala. I'm just amazed by the, uh, the power that I see uh, in the way that the gospel is working through people's lives out there. So I, I don't mean to narrow it too much, but I'm I'm curious now, thinking about how in at least the United States, churches have been deeply affected by kind of polarization. Mm -hmm. um, is that a phenomenon that you see around the globe? Or is that something that's kind of more specific to like a U.S. context? What do you think about that? 
Well, I certainly don't want to look at it too much with rose-colored glasses because I know there are going to be conflicts everywhere. And you're absolutely right, and especially in the last year. Uh, you know, early on, we were hopeful that this pandemic would unite us, but of course, in many ways, it's divided us over you know different. What's the best method of dealing with this? Do we wear a mask? Do we not? Uh, there's been a lot of division going on. And what I've heard from our international brothers and sisters, especially the ones I've talked to in Africa, is they've they've really seen this as more of a uniting event for them. Uh, several Africans have told me that, you know, it's they're amazed. They, they, they kind of thought that the U.S. had this dome of protection over it. And mm. now they realize that that rich or poor, uh, there's a saying in Africa, every every uh, some evidently that something along the lines of the rich and the poor end up in the same, same size graves eventually. Mm. And they've seen that played out. And now this, these mighty Western nations, you know, we were the first ones to really be impacted by this pandemic, it seemed. And our brothers and sisters in Africa were looking at that and they said, wow. And, and as the pandemic took hold in these other parts of the world, they really saw it as we are in this together. We're all suffering together now. And how amazing is that? Uh, I, I regret that we don't really see it that way in the United States. And so that's part of what I'm trying to communicate uh, is, you know, we're in this thing together. And our international brothers and sisters, they really see it that way, uh, that this, this pandemic has been such an equalizing force for all of us, regardless of resources. Can, can we have increased unity? Uh, but to your point, uh, it's unfortunate that we just don't see that. And we spend a lot of time spinning our wheels. We spend a lot of time arguing with each other and just uh, focusing on the things that really don't matter. Um, I think all churches have a certain amount of inherent energy. And if that energy is not focused outward on evangelism, it gets redirected inward and we start snipping at each other and we start finding fault with each other. And that's the one thing that I've really learned uh, from a lot of our brothers and sisters internationally uh, is that their focus really is on evangelism, on bringing Christ to a lost and dying world. And when you have your energy focused that way, it seems like everybody tends to get along a lot better. So that's what I'm kind of praying for as... <laughs> Are we emerging from this pandemic or not? I don't know. <laughs> Just changes by the hour, but we will get there. I have to believe at some point. And can we go forward together and rekindle that spirit of evangelism that we see uh, in other parts of the world? What a wonderful um, insight that you're, you're raising there, that you're learning and seeing um, around the world. Any other particular insights that kind of gathered and learned at the feet of brothers and sisters around the world? Well, getting doing more with less. One of the most moving stories uh, that I ever encountered happened in Bangkok, Thailand back a few years ago when I was interviewing some Pakistani refugees who had been driven out of their country because they professed Christ. One of them was a middle-class nurse who had been doing vaccinations. Odd, we're talking about vaccinations here. This was pre-COVID. She was doing vaccinations and the Muslims uh, there had kind of had run her out of the country and her family. This middle-class family, she talked about how she couldn't get her kids to eat their vegetables. You know, it sounded like some of the same problems I have with my two girls. And they had ended up in Bangkok, Thailand on a tourist visa, which is how you get into that country. But then you apply for refugee status 
from the UN uh, High Commissioner of Refugees. While you're waiting for that status, your tourist visa expires. And so these guys are living there illegally. They're living in a one-room apartment. They don't know when they go outside. When her kids get sick and she has to take them to the doctor, she doesn't know, am I going to be arrested on the way there for violating the terms of my visa? And if I get there, how am I going to pay for this? And then she told me something that I will never forget for the rest of my life. And she said, I am so thankful to God for this experience. I was like, what? How? Why? What makes you thankful? She said, it is because I now realize my utter dependence upon God for everything. And she mm-hmm. talked about how when she went to the doctor's office, a man, a native Thai man was sitting there uh, and just randomly handed her money because he could tell by looking at her that she couldn't afford the health care for her kids. The local Church of Christ had taken them in. They'd been baptized there. They were part of this congregation. They were being fed. But it was that realization that she had of her utter dependence upon God. I just broke down just right in the middle of this, you know, interview because mm. uh, it just it just overwhelmed me. The thought of her being thankful for learning this lesson in such a harsh way. So when people ask me about what my, my takeaways are from 20 years with the Chronicle, that's usually top of the list. That one right there. I got dozens more, but that's the one that really jumps out at me. Praise God, the faithfulness of the the church is there too and and seeing vulnerable folks and responding mm. yeah amen thank you for well you you gave us a very uh i i don't do much with twitter but you gave us a very tweetable quote too when you said uh when churches aren't focused uh outwardly on evangelism they tend to focus inward and start kind of sniping at each other yeah and i'm almost positive i stole that from somebody so just you know fyi <laughs> <laughs> well, you've you've then attributed it elsewhere. I'm going to attribute it to you. There you that's, go. that's some okay. good stuff there. Um, Eric, it, it seems like our Stone Campbell Movement publications mm-hmm. um, are kind of divided along party lines, you might say, or through these various streams. Um, what can we do to reverse that a little bit? Is it possible that the various Stone Campbell Movement publications could uh, take a role in helping to promote and advancing unity. I love to hear what you've done with the Christian standard and love to hear more of that kind of cross-pollination. What, what might like that look like as you kind of think about the journalistic and um, the, the world of print media in our movement? Right. Well, I mean, you know, the fact of the matter is as, as print media kind of faces all of these challenges, you're seeing more kind of mergers and people being printed at the same places. So a certain amount of that may be inevitable. Uh, I've enjoyed what the standard is doing in reaching out to all streams of the Stone Campbell movement and trying to find that common ground there. It is a little more difficult with Churches of Christ. There are some doctrinal issues that we run into sometimes, and we have a portion of our readership that that kind of balks at that. But uh, one of the things I've tried to do is to show, you know, where is it that we can work together and where do we find some common ground? I've been blessed to go to Uh, Livingstone International University in Uganda, which is kind of a joint venture in many ways between independent Christian churches and churches of Christ and been able to see uh, some of that going on. So I think as time goes on, you know, I, I, I really see us more as cousins and uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm talking with the guys at the standard It ways that we maybe can be a little more collaborative uh, because we do have a common purpose of serving the kingdom. And as we, you know, as I said earlier, 
those horizons seem to be broadening anyway. So what's a way that we can, you know, keep a handle on this? And for us at the Christian Chronicle, though, what is a way that we can stay true to the, you know, the the beliefs, uh, the teachings that we that we find in the Bible that uh, that are foremost on the mind of uh, members of Churches of Christ uh, from from a variety of uh, different standpoints there. So uh, I'm all for talking as much as we can. Nothing's hurt by talking and working together as much as we possibly can. Um, and I'm very appreciative of uh, what's going on. I'm appreciative of the work uh, that Solomon Foundation has done. They are an advertising yes. client with the Christian Chronicle, and uh, they have helped out the Christian Standard a lot uh, in recent years. I know they have made a, a, a an effort to help fund church projects, and they've particularly helped out some of the predominantly African-American churches of Christ in our fellowship. And I wrote a story about that last year, uh, about the difficulty for predominantly black churches to get bank loans and how Solomon has really helped out with that. And that's such a great practical way. We see different branches of the Stone Campbell movement really working together toward a, toward a great goal. So that was a real pleasure to report on that and eager to do more stuff like that in the future. Boy, that's a great story. And and to be able to report on some of these things where there's collaboration and uh, it, you know, just folks, just knowing people in, in the other streams, it, it opens us up to people in a unique way where we can just learn more and be more aware. So, boy, appreciate all the conversation we've had today. Our time's coming to an end, but you're going to return and, and rejoin us for our next podcast. Um, so we'll look forward to that. We're going to talk about uh, some really heartwarming stories that, that you've encountered and reported on in our next podcast. Kate will be back with us. Um, Kate, it's been terrific to have you with us. H- how'd you like your, uh, your first venture into common ground unity? Oh, it's been fun. It's just nice to listen and hear about different experiences and what God's up to. Well, we're, we're glad to introduce you to our, our listening audience. want to mention just a couple of things before we get away. Um, the Christian Chronicle has a website, christianchronicle.org. I believe I've got that right, Eric, christianchronicle.org. And there's more than the print um, side. There's uh, also, I believe, uh, some some video things. Well, if you go to that website, you'll find all kinds of articles uh, reporting from not only around the world, but locally. I think, Eric, I've, I've read articles from you, from places like Ira Ann, Texas, and then, you know, all the way to Honduras. Um, so, boy, there's such a diverse degree of reporting that's provided there. And so check out ChristianChronicle.org. And, Eric, it has been good. I, I've read so many of your pieces. It has been good to put a voice with the written words that I've read. It's just been a pleasure for me. So well, Thank you. I've enjoyed this. Well, thank you for being with us. Uh, listen, folks, we're going to be back next week with another podcast with Eric. Um, remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee. So let me encourage you uh, to get to know a brother or a sister in another stream of the movement in your community. Maybe form a gathering, a Common Grounds Unity gathering to open up dialogue with folks in this great movement. Our, our gathering is going to be meeting uh, in October. Can't wait to get back together for the first time in person. Uh, with our San Diego chapter of Common Ground Unity. So they're easy to form. Uh, let us know how we can help. 
Join us uh, next week for another new podcast. We'll be back with Eric once again, and Kate will return. Thank you, folks. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast with Megan and Kevin. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. There are plenty of resources, and you can subscribe to the weekly email articles, join the Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. We've also provided a link in the show notes for comments. You can ask questions or suggest topics and guests. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do that too through the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.